Hello and welcome to episode 683 of the Our Lady of Fatima podcast. It is my pleasure to be with you this morning. My name is Terrence M. Stanton. We are recording on Sunday, October 15th, 2023, in the year of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let us begin with the Sunday prayer to the Most Blessed Virgin Mary to obtain the forgiveness of our sins by the great saint and doctor of the church, Alphonsus Liguori. Behold, O Mother of God, at thy feet a miserable sinner, a slave of hell who has recourse to thee and trusts in thee. I do not deserve that thou shouldest even look at me, but I know that thou, having seen thy son die for the salvation of sinners, hast the greatest desire to help them. I hear all call thee the refuge of sinners, the hope of those who are in despair and the help of the abandoned. Thou art then my refuge, my hope, and my help. Thou hast to save me by thy intercession. Help me for the love of Jesus Christ. Extend thy hand to a miserable creature who has fallen and recommends himself to thee. I know what thy pleasure is to help us. Excuse me. I know that thy pleasure is to help a sinner to thy utmost. Help me, therefore, now that thou canst do so. By my sins, I have lost divine grace and with it my soul. I now place myself in thy hands. Tell me what I must do to recover the favor of my Lord and I will immediately do it. He sends me to thee that thou mayest help me, and he wills that I should have recourse to thy mercy. That not only the merits of thy son, but also that thy intercession may help me to save my soul. To thee then I have recourse. Do thou, who prayest for so many others, pray also to Jesus for me. Ask him to pardon me, and he will forgive me. Tell him that thou desirest my salvation, and he will save me. Show how thou canst enrich those who trust in thee. Amen. Thus I hope, thus may it be. Today, friends, we're continuing to look at a series of articles from the late Father Gruner, which was adapted from a talk he gave years ago. This is available at the Fatima Center, located at Fatima.org. And this is the Church's Obligation to Believe and Obey Our Lady of Fatima, Part 2 begins with the editor's note saying this lengthy article was originally published in the Fatima Crusader, issue 74, summer 2003. It is being reprinted here as a series of five much shorter articles. We must not follow the blind leaders who say you can ignore Fatima. Father Gruner begins, now, if it is true that Fatima is indeed contained in prophecy in sacred scripture, we now, living today, must solemnly have very special obligations. For each of us right now may be facing eternal truths that will determine our eternal destiny. We cannot simply put this aside, ignore it, or not reflect on it. We cannot simply let others, even so-called experts, Decide for us like many did in our Lord's time. The Pharisees were blind and leaders of the blind and both fell into the pit of hell. Let us reflect here for a moment on the parallel with our Lord's life. Our Lord's arrival was foretold in the Old Testament and the Pharisees of the Old Testament claimed they had the scriptures. So what need had they to listen to this, quote, ignorant carpenter from Nazareth? What they forgot was that their own scriptures contained prophecies. And those prophecies talked about that carpenter from Nazareth. And so they themselves fulfilled their role as villains 
and the very prophecies they claimed to be the keepers and masters of. And it's because they did not really believe God, and they did not believe in the miracles that Jesus did, although they claimed to believe in God, that they were condemned. The coming of our Lord was predicted in the Old Testament by many prophets, and Christ came at the time predicted. What he would do, how he would die, many, many facts about him were predicted. And although the Pharisees claimed to be faithful to the scriptures, they themselves were guilty of crucifying Christ. This is not to ignore that all sinners in some way crucify Christ, but we're talking now about the physical death of Christ in time, and it was predicted. The Jewish leaders claimed to have God for their master, but our Lord said to them, If you had God for your father, then you would recognize me, because I am the image of the father. I and the father are one, John 10, verse 30. You are of your father the devil, and the desires of your father you will do, John 8, verse 44. And as St. Padre Pio once said, there are people who, in the name of upholding scriptures, deny evident miracles in their own time, and they will fall little by little from that to denying even the miracles that Christ worked in the scriptures. How do these facts concern us here and now? Very simply, if Our Lady's coming at Fatima is predicted in sacred scripture, just as the coming of Christ is predicted in sacred scripture, then the biblical prophecy must be believed when it is fulfilled. And the Pharisees' refusal to believe in Christ when they were given the great miracles he performed made them guilty. Their claim to believe sacred scriptures as their excuse to refuse to believe the prophet that God the Father had sent did not excuse them. They died in their sins. The next section is entitled, Two Popes Tell Us. When did Our Lady of Fatima come? When was she predicted in sacred scripture? Well, we have two popes in the past 37 years telling us that it is Our Lady of Fatima who is indicated in chapter 12, verse 1 of the Apocalypse. Both popes clearly indicate that it is not just Our Lady, and certainly it is Our Lady, but it is not simply Our Lady. It is Our Lady of Fatima who fulfilled the prophecy that is contained in chapter 12, verse 1 of the Apocalypse. Now, where do we find these statements of the popes? We find them, first of all, in the opening paragraph of Pope Paul VI encyclical Signum Magnum, which translated from the Latin is Great Sign. And in Latin, chapter 12, verse 1 of the Apocalypse starts off, Signum Magnum Aperuit in Cielo, that is, a great sign appeared in the heavens. And Paul VI clearly does not define or say that this is absolutely Our Lady of Fatima, but he clearly wants to suggest that it is. This is not to say that the Magisterium has said Our Lady of Fatima is the woman clothed with the sun. However, Paul VI in his encyclical clearly intends to convey that message. It's very subtly worded, but it is clear that's what he intends. Moreover, John Paul II also gave the same indication, and I think even more forcefully in his sermon at Fatima on May 13, 2000. And there's a footnote here that says, According to the divine plan, a woman clothed with the sun, Apocalypse 12, 1, came down from heaven to this earth to visit the privileged children of the Father. 
she speaks to them with a mother's voice and heart. She asks them to offer themselves as victims of reparation, saying that she was ready to lead them to God, lead them safely to God. Later, Francisco, one of the three privileged children, exclaimed, We were burning in that light which is God, and we were not consumed. What is God like? It is impossible to say. In fact, we will never be able to tell people, God, a light that burns without consuming. Moses had the same experience when he saw God in the burning bush. Another portent appeared in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon. Apocalypse 12.3 These words from the first reading of the Mass make us think of the great struggle between good and evil, showing how when man puts God aside, he cannot achieve happiness but ends up destroying himself. The message of Fatima is a call to conversion, alerting humanity to have nothing to do with the dragon whose tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven and cast them to the earth, Apocalypse 12.4. That is from Pope John Paul II's sermon of May 13th, 2000. To continue with what Father Nicholas Gruner says, there he made the same suggestion, but he was even more definitive about it. It's most noteworthy that the two popes who have gone to Fatima, have made it their business to suggest, to state, to indicate that Our Lady of Fatima's appearance is the fulfillment of the biblical prophecy of chapter 12 of St. John's book of biblical prophecy. If it really is the fulfillment of the biblical prophecy, then the argument could be made that it's not just a public prophetic revelation, which I will explain to you in a moment, but it is, in fact, part of the deposit of faith. The next section is entitled, A Pope Could Define It. Fatima is in the Bible is a respectable theological position, even if it is not widely held. I do not say that this position is definitive. That would take the true magisterium, more exactly, the Pope to make a solemn pronouncement intending to bind the whole Catholic Church to this position to make it binding on all Catholics. Nevertheless, up to now, there is no one who can prove that it is not exact and true, especially when two popes have very publicly, very clearly indicated, quite possibly on the basis of the full third secret, which clearly has not been fully released, that Our Lady of Fatima is indeed the fulfillment of this biblical prophecy. I can tell you that those in the Catholic Church who oppose Fatima, and there are many from modernists, to progressives, to liberals, to conservatives, to even some, quote, traditionalists, have no argument against the position that Fatima is in biblical prophecy. I have no arguments either. I would leave the option open for this position if the church should ever define it, which she could. In fact, on this very point, the Fifth Lateran Council, which met around the year 1512, defined that the Pope alone defines on matters of prophetic revelation. Not the Cardinal Secretary of State, not the Prefect of the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith, but the Pope alone. And we're talking about the Pope in his official capacity as teacher, not as private theologian. Some necessary clarifications is the next segment. In this respect, there's not a large difference between a Pope and a judge. Take the example of a judge. His wife asks him at night, halfway through a murder trial, 
well, is the defendant guilty or innocent? And the judge could say to his wife in the privacy of his home, I think he's guilty. But that opinion of the judge does not constitute an official statement of the judge. It is his opinion. And the Pope similarly can have opinions about various things going on in the church. But the expression of those opinions, even in a public place, does not constitute the expression of the magisterium. It does not, as such, constitute a magisterial definition or statement. There are certain precise requirements on the part of the Pope for something to be magisterial. I'm not talking only about solemn definitions, but even the exercise of his ordinary and universal magisterium. That's a whole other discourse, but it is needed because there's a lot of confusion on that point today. What I'm getting at is simply that in these matters of prophetic revelation, the Pope is the final sole judge. But until that time that he pronounces magisterially, we have the right to our own opinions. St. Augustine tells us that in essentials, there must be unity, in non-essentials, liberty, and in all things, charity. And so we have a right to hold our opinion so long as we hold it sincerely. That is, after having weighed the evidence and done the best to understand what's at stake. So ends part two of that article. And of course, this article was published some 20 years ago. Father Gruner has since gone on to his eternal reward. I'm sure he would be mortified by what has taken place in the present pontificate. But we must remember that every conversation that Pope Francis has on an airplane, every interview that he does, does not have any magisterial weight whatsoever. It's his personal opinion. And even various documents that have come out in their footnotes and such and of certain documents and what's going on now with the synod and synodality. If it's not in accordance with sacred tradition, sacred scripture, and prior magisterial teaching, then it's something that does not have to be regarded, of course, with divine and Catholic faith. And this is a subject for another time, and there are different levels of authoritative statements in regards to the church. But you can rest assured, if the Pope or any other bishop comes out and says, all right, we're going to ordain priests now who are women, that's impossible. You know, the church has ruled on that quite definitively. Let's conclude by mentioning Helping Autism Through Learning and Outreach. It's available on the web at halo-soma.org. That's halo-soma.org. Also, please tune into episodes 277 and 548 of the Our Lady of Fatima podcast. They deal with RPM, as does the website. Rapid Prompting Method, a system of communication for non-speakers, just as sign language was a revolutionary breakthrough in terms of being able to communicate for the deaf. RPM is doing the same thing for non-speakers. Before my niece was eight years old, we didn't even know her favorite color. Now we know that she's a comprehensive genius. She can compose music. She's very gifted in regards to mathematics. She's a wonderful poet. She knows foreign languages. 
We would have known none of these things were it not for RPM and God's grace working through the very hard work of my niece and her family. Imagine how frustrated you would be if you were in this situation. You were unable to communicate. You couldn't express to your family what you wanted for breakfast, let alone what your hopes and dreams were. That's the situation for so many nowadays. And RPM breaks through, gets them out of that prison of silence and into the world of open communication where they belong because communication, friends, is a human right. So please spread that website and those episodes of Our Ladies podcast to as many people as you can. And if you don't know a non-speaker, you probably will at some point during the course of your life. And this information is invaluable. Thank you so much for listening to the Our Lady of Fatima podcast. Please tune in again tomorrow. Goodbye and God love you.